0: Here we are again, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Shema Podcast. I want to share with you something that's it's really quite remarkable. It is a prophecy that was provided to us in the Torah about something that would occur near the end of days, the period before the coming of Mashiach and the revelation of the Almighty, but not to just the Jewish people, but to the world at large. When you look at the history of the Jewish people, it was initiated by Abraham. He initiated a revelation from below by working on himself through contemplation, logic, and reasoning that there is only one God and everything is God, perfecting himself and aligning himself to receive prophecy. And as a result of his merit... His descendants received the next revelation, the revelation that was initiated from above. We were in Egypt, in slavery, and through the miracles that brought us out of Egypt and through the national revelation at Mount Sinai, we received the Torah. And if you read the Torah, especially in the Parshas we're reading right now, this was all by design because it was initiated from above the second time. Since it was given to us versus us initiating from a below, it didn't hold. And so the Jews were exiled throughout the world in order to become a light into the other nations. And we have influenced them in a very positive way. The majority of things that most civilized countries take for granted are things they would have never had if it was not for us sharing with them the light of Torah. But what the prophecies say is that at the giving of the Torah, there were many people that were part of the other nations that wanted the Torah as well, even though the nations they were a part of did not want it. So what did God do for them? He would orchestrate events in another lifetime for them so they would have the opportunity to convert. So if you look at what is delaying Mashiach, why we are sort of in this holding pattern in exile is because God is wanting us to pull in all these non-Jews who wanted the opportunity to convert and be a part of the Jewish people. And he also wanted all those Jews that were brought up in captivity, meaning they were brought up in an environment void of Torah, he wanted to give them an opportunity to do Teshuva and find their way back home. And it's quite remarkable for both groups of people. I mean, here you have non-Jews growing up in the captivity of these idolatrous religions, and something stirs them awake, and they recognize this isn't truth. And then they go and pursue... A Jewish conversion, which is not an easy task at all. And for those of us who are brought up in the captivity of a total void of Torah, the same thing's happening for us. And it's quite miraculous that something just stirs us awake and we begin to yearn and realize there's something more. And we find our way back to Torah Judaism. Whenever I meet someone from either of these groups... I find it so inspiring. And the reason I'm saying this prophecy is coming to fruition is because I'm hearing the numbers from rabbis I know personally and from rabbis I listen to online. Keeping in mind that we don't proselytize the number of non-Jews coming forward for a true, legitimate Orthodox conversion and the number of Baal Teshuvahs that are coming forward and learning Torah and adapting Torah and integrating Torah into their life. I want to dedicate this episode to one such person, Ross Altman, a new and dear friend of mine who is one of those people. And I want this episode to be in his merit so he will receive the blessing of having Hashem guide him through his journey and through his learning as he learns Torah and he learns his unique role in God's creation. You know, initially, I did not have a full appreciation of what we have as Jews. And I used to look at the non-Jewish world and think, they have it so easy. We have all these mitzvot to fulfill, and they have barely any, the 7 Noahide laws, just merely the basic minimum requirements to live in a civilized society. But my mindset has totally changed on this matter. I now realize that it's not that we have it more difficult and they have it easy. We're the ones that have it easy. I look and wonder how in the world do they even get through life? It's it's like they're on a road trip and not only do they not have a GPS, they don't even know the destination in which they're going. They don't know how to maintain the automobile and keep it fueled and running at all times in an optimal way. Yet we have the Torah. And one of the things the Torah tells us is something so crucial, and that is... The construct, the system, the physical reality we live in is built. And one thing that we understand that they don't understand is the fabric of time. They think it's linear, and it's certainly not. Time is circular. Each moment in the year contains its own unique spiritual energy, and the Torah is teaching us how to tap into that. The rest of the world thinks that time is linear. And the only difference between the prehistoric man and the men in the future that will resemble Captain Kirk and Spock on the USS Enterprise is a greater comprehension and ability to communicate and greater technology. But mankind themselves stays at the same level throughout the history of time, which is not the case whatsoever. Not with Torah, that is. Time is circular. And those who are not tapped in Torah end up at the beginning of the year, exactly where they left off. However, with Torah, through the understanding of how to tap into the energy at each moment in time throughout the year, the path of circular time for us is crescending higher to catapult us to higher levels of consciousness, to a higher level of closeness to Hashem by being more like Hashem in the way He interacts with this world. Many of you can relate to this. I've talked to many of you about this, how when you first start studying Parsha, you recognize that the problem that ensues that week, the challenge that the Torah you learned from the Parsha equipped you to take that challenge and use it as something that will catapult you to a much greater level. Therefore, looking back at that challenge with much appreciation. And the opportunity we have in front of us, that moment in time is approaching. I mean, it's, and it's occurring right now as we are in the month of Elul. As we approach Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, and all the way to Simchat Torah. This is the time that we can move to such a greater level. I asked Rabbi Busco, the average rabbi, to come on and tell us everything we need to know to harness this time of year. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwined through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. So welcome Rabbi Busco, the average rabbi. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Dan, thank you so much for having me on again. Pleasure to be here. I love having you on.
0: It's a deep topic. Whenever I need a, a deep thinker, you're my man. So uh, you recently got a motorcycle. Tell the audience, what you get?
1: That's true. I got a 2012 Honda Shadow. It's a cruiser. For anyone who doesn't know what a cruiser is, it's a style of motorcycle that has that sort of classic look, like if you're thinking Harley Davidson. It's not the big chopper with the big, long, extended handlebars, but it's got that, that old, black-style, like classic look to it.
0: When I was a kid, I had two career paths I was thinking about at the age of 7, 8, and they're both based off a of TV show. One was, did you ever watch that TV show, Kung Fu? I've seen parts of it, yeah. He would just travel from town to town, helping out those in need, using his skills of kung fu. And after he defeated the bad guy, he would go to the next
1: one. Right. A, a white guy that didn't know kung fu, pretending to be a Chinese man that was a kung fu man. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I, I like.
0: My whole life just pretending to be something. So the other one was Chips. Chips was this TV show about these two highway patrol motorcycle cops. They wore cool shades, had cool motorcycles, and they drove around. You're basically the synthesis of Ponch and Frank from Chips and the guy from the Kung Fu show. Those are my two career paths, and you, like, blended them. You study Kung Fu. You get the motorcycle. You're not out writing citations. You're just riding around town teaching Torah. Avoiding citations. Avoiding citations. Help people avoid citations by the Almighty. Beautiful. All right. So, Rabbi, as I told the audience, we have this auspicious time of year coming up, something that is... A tremendous opportunity. To me, like this time of year, it feels like getting on a roller coaster. And when you're creaking up near that top, that first big drop, you're filled with apprehension, anxiety, and excitement because you know what's coming ahead of you when you hit Rosh Shona, And the thrill of the ride and the twist and turns through all the holidays through Sukkotes. And the goal here as Jews, is that we don't end the ride getting off where we got on, but at a much higher level. What do you think of that analogy?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, Elul is, a, is an interesting time because like you said, there's that aspect of the apprehension that we're approaching the day of judgment, right? Right. But on the other hand, there's something that I'll reference later on in the podcast that the word Elul, the month of Elul, it's Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. And we have a Kabbalistic tradition that it is an acronym for a section of a verse in Song of Songs, which is this beautiful romantic song between God and the Jewish people, this section of the verse that says, A'ni la dodi which means I am for my beloved, and my beloved is for me. And it's this time of intimate romance between Hashem and the Jewish people. There's so much love. And, and then all of a sudden, right as we exit, my, my wife asked me this question two days ago. Right, so this is where this came from. She's, what's the deal with this? We're Anila aniladodivadodili, all this beautiful romantic love. And then a day later, we jump into Rosh Hashanah, and now God is deciding if he's going to kill me or not. Right. <laughs> what happened to the romance? <laughs> like it's it talk about a roller coaster. That's a pretty extreme change, right? So that needs to be understood. What's that dynamic? And, and how do we balance this fear and trepidation? and this apprehension for this day of judgment as we're going through Elul, and also what our sages are telling us that it's a time of love, that needs to be understood as well.
0: Yes. Excellent. So let's dive into it. Why don't you just walk us through like the, the, the period we're in right now. As I was told, it's like the, the King, the Almighty is approaching his throne, and he's walking through the fields. He's very approachable right now. And I've noticed, too, there's some things I've prayed for that have immediately come back to me. I knew that, like, one of the things I had to do was increase my study time. And, but I'm just exhausted at the end of the day. You know, wake up at five, by seven. I just didn't want to do it, like, every single night. I needed to uh, make sure I was davening with a minion and that I was was studying. So I I just booked myself with a rabbi at the kollel that's teaching me Talmud. It's like every night, like, I'm busy. But then after I booked it, I told... Hashem like you have to give me now the desire to want to go do this to wake up in the morning and study to work all day to go there you have to give me the energy for it you have to give me the resources and the desire to do all these things and literally very quickly my whole perspective changed to where I even at the end of the work day I have the energy I'm excited. I'm watching the clock till it's eight o'clock. So I can go meet the rabbi and begin learning. I mean, it like literally came right back to me. So I've, I'm sensing this moment in time and how we can use that to our advantage.
1: That's incredible. I, I've had similar experiences in the past, especially during my early days of becoming religious when I was in yeshiva. Elul is my favorite time. There's so much energy packed into this month and so much excitement. I noticed that outside of the yeshiva world, there's less of that, there's more of the fear of the judgment. But when you're surrounded by a group of people that are really trying to better themselves and learn and study and in a position that you're in right now, which is pretty unique, I would say I give you a lot of credit for that, for bringing that upon yourself and taking that initiative to bring in that energy to want to go and learn. It's, It's an incredibly ecstatic experience to go through this month. Well,
0: it seems like always if you're asking the Almighty for something to serve him, you're going to get it. 100%. But I was surprised at how quickly that just sort of shifted within me.
1: There's another the, something that I relate to about what you just said there. When I was, when I was single in yeshiva, I used to smoke pretty heavily, uh, about a pack a day. And at a certain point, I knew I got to stop this. And the way I quit was, you know, I tried on my own. You know, Mark Twain said, I, hey, quitting smoking is easy. I've done a of times. <laughs> right. So the, I tried on my own a bunch of times. And, and it, it's hard. You're always fighting. The way I was really able to do it was every time that I wanted to smoke, I just asked Hashem to take away the desire to smoke. And instantaneously, like magic, I didn't want to smoke. Wow. But making the decision to turn to Hashem, to think about that. Right. right? And, and to turn your efforts towards Hashem, that's the challenge.
0: So what else, since I want to sort of go through, because one of the things I, I, I didn't really clarify is that we have all these holidays. They're all connected. And that's why I asked you to come on and sort of clarify there's this entire construct, and it's from the beginning to the end, from Rosh Hashanah through Semkos Torah, that there's this overarching design that Hashim wants us to latch into to propel ourselves to greater heights. But you know, right now, we're in the month of Elul. Is there, is there anything more about this phase that we need to be aware of, other than knowing that Hashim is extremely close to us, we can approach him on more of a, a personal level and make our request?
1: Yes. So in addition to what you just mentioned, the the month of Tishrei that we're about to enter, starting with Rosh Hashanah, then we have Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Shemini Atzeres, which is the culmination of all of that, that is one system. But the truth is that there's a bigger system. The entire year is one larger system. And I think it behooves us to at least give a brief overview of how that system is set up so we can have a better understanding of where we are in this system right now. Makes total sense. Okay. Well... Well, first of all, before we start from the beginning, which is Pesach, where we are right now, the month of Tishrei, or what we're coming up to, the month of Tishrei is the month of redemption. And that might sound surprising, because, you know, if I were to ask you, if you could summarize in one word, what's the theme of Pesach, Passover, what would you say? Freedom. Freedom, right? Freedom or redemption. Yes. Very similar concept, synonyms almost, freedom or redemption. What about Rosh Hashanah in one word? I think of reset. Okay. That yeah, that's probably true because it's a new year and uh, everything is being reevaluated and established. But I think a lot of people would probably say judgment, right? And in fact that's what's in our liturgy. Yes. You didn't give a wrong answer.
0: I, but, yeah, what I mean is, if Teshuvah's done correctly, it's like we get to hit the reset button. Sure. On who we are and, and start
1: afresh. Right. So, But the word judgment, though, is, it comes up a lot. And, yeah. and in fact, in the liturgy itself, in the morning of Rosh Hashanah, we say, Hine Yom Hadin. This is the day of judgment. We say it several times on, on Rosh Hashanah. It's the day of judgment. So what does it mean that the month of Tishrei, we're taught kabbalistically, is, is a month of redemption, and, but... We're starting off with, with judgment. It seems very heavy, and they seem to be, you know, what does one have to do with the other? Right. So that's redemption, but I, but I just told you also that Pesach is also redemption. Right. So we need to understand, you know, Rav Noah Weinberg, who was the Rosh Hashiva, the founder of Torah and many other institutions, massive individual who changed countless lives, including my own, even though I never, never met him personally. He would say the first step to being an intellectual is defining your terms. What do we mean when we say redemption? What does redemption mean? What does judgment mean? Mercy. What do these things really mean? We might have working definitions with them. We use these concepts and we think we know what they are, kind of. But then communication breaks down because I have one idea in my head and you have another. What we need to know is what does the Torah mean, right? The Torah is communicating us. What, What does the Torah mean when it says that this is the day of judgment or this is a month of redemption? And once we have those defined, we can really understand what what is being communicated to us. So redemption, in a a nutshell, is the concept of revealing potential which was previously inaccessible. We're upgrading. We're accessing new faculties that always existed within ourselves. We were built in with these abilities, but we didn't have access to them. And we were locked down. And the process of redemption is the process of Unlocking those higher levels and reaching new levels. And that can occur in different stages. There's a redemption on a lower stage, and then you move to the next stage. Then there's another redemption to the next stage, and another, and another. And we're constantly upgrading and moving forward. And so that happens every year uh, in, a, in a cyclical way. Throughout the year, we'll have Pesach, Passover is the redemption, let's say, of the body. And then Shavuos, which is the next holiday after that, is the redemption of the spirit. I'll get into what this means in a second. And then finally, the month of Tishrei, we have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeres, is the redemption of the soul. And when I use these terms, body, spirit, and soul, I'm referring to the Kabbalistic terms, nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Uh, Just to give a very brief overview of what that is, I'm sure your listeners have heard these terms before uh, in previous podcasts, and I think
0: No, probably good to go ahead and go through those terms again.
1: The nefesh is an aspect of spirituality which is the most physical. It interacts with the physical world and animates physicality. So what the Chinese might call qi. In in Kung Fu, this is what what we refer to it. Qi is the life force, right? This is the nefesh, the aspect of spirituality that animates physicality. It interacts with physicality directly. The next level is the ruach we call spirit. It's also the Hebrew word for wind, and there's a reason for that. It's, uh, it occurs in the throat. That's the breath and speech. It's all connected to this idea. But the fundamental concept of ruach is that it's a connector. It binds the lower together with the higher. It binds physicality, binds the nefesh to the highest level, or the highest level that we'll speak about, at least, which is the neshama. And the neshama is purely spiritual, and that is what we call the soul. Is something that can exist completely independently of a body, and does, when we're not alive. So these are the three aspects of ourselves. So Pesach is the redemption of the Nefesh. That's when we're born. The entire Jewish nation, when we were in Egypt, our sages say we were a nation within the womb of another nation. And we came out through the sea. We were exiting the birth canal and revealed ourselves as one independent nation. That was the birth of our nation, the exodus. And Pesach is our our fresh start. Now we have a nefesh. We have a living being here. This is the Jewish people. That's the redemption of the body, of the nefesh. Moving forward, we have the redemption of the ruach. Now the ruach is, again, this connection. So the process from Pesach until Shavuos, which we spoke about once in a podcast, the process of Sfira. That is the process of refining and building and strengthening and purifying the nefesh where it can now form a connection. And what that connection is, is the Torah. That Shavuos is the day that we received the Torah, which essentially is our direct connection to God. Now we have access, right? So another analogy, if you would take, let's say, a computer. So Pesach would be we've built the hardware, and it's got a great processor and all the hardware is there. But it doesn't really do anything because there's no software. Okay, so now we've got the hardware, it's been purified and cleaned. Now, Shavuos, we've jacked in the Ethernet cable. Now we're connected. Okay, we have access to all that information, but the software hasn't been installed yet. We just have access to it. So that's Shavuos. And as we're moving forward, and I'll explain that process because we're right there now, we'll finally have the redemption of the soul, which is where we, so to speak download the software, and have it fully integrated and installed in the hardware. And now we've developed that intimate connection with Hashem, fully realizing our soul's expression within the physical world. Beautiful. Okay, so that's an overall concept of of the six-month process throughout the year. And by the way, that is a six-month process, right? Because we, we start with Pesach, and it culminates in the seventh month, which is interesting, right? Well, I think maybe people don't realize this. That aren't uh, fully familiar with, with Jewish traditions, the you might assume that since Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the new year, that that's the first month, right? Exactly. But it's not. It's uh, it's the seventh month. The first month is Nisan, the month of Pesach, and uh, there there is a reason for that. In short, you know the, the objective solar cycle, as we as the Earth moves through the cosmos, that occurs that revolution occurs on in tishrei and that's rosh hashanah that we started a new year but a month is something which is more personal to human beings we have control over the months we decide if it's going to be a 29 day month a 30 day month we have access to that the moon is representative of the jewish people it waxes and wanes and so that's more personal to us so through our process of growth through the months we start our process with Pesach, as we just described, that's our birth, and then we continue on. So that's why the months are counted first from Nissan, and then so on and so forth. So now we're, we're in the sixth month right now, we're about to enter the seventh month of Tishrei.
0: Now I'm glad you went into this because you're right, If to, to understand the, the, the construct of the system, it doesn't make sense to parse out 30 days in isolation, but to give a, a macro view of how everything's really tied together.
1: Good, there you go. Okay, so now, where are we right now? This is your question. We are in the process in between, as we described, the redemption of the Ruach and the redemption of the Neshama, right? in between Shavuos and Sukkos, or Rosh and what that means is that we've established a connection. So now we're ready to start building a relationship with Hashem. What we've just experienced before Elul, in these summer months, the month of Tammuz, and then the month of Av, is months of... Sadness and uh, and mourning. Now, what it's not is months of depression. And depression has no place in Judaism whatsoever. Depression is evil. It's meaninglessness. It's emptiness. There's no place for that in a Jewish heart. Right? We're we're always connected to Hashem. What it is is brokenheartedness. It's pain. What we're focusing on during that time is we we've established a connection with God through receiving the Torah. And what we come to fully realize during this mourning period is how far away we are from Hashem. We we have this connection, but it's pretty broken and it's damaged. And the degree to how much pain you feel from a broken relationship is how much you love the person on the other side. It's about during that time too,
0: creating a sense of yearning for what you don't have, a recognition of what you lack, which creates more of a, Desire. It's almost it creates this like you're creating this pressure to move forward towards something by recognizing what you
1: lack in it. it's exactly the purpose. Exactly. The, so the degree to which you are cognizant of that, you know, the of cognizant of, of how much of a relationship you should be having with a and how much you want, that's how much pain a person will be feeling during this time. We're meant to focus on that, feel that pain, really endure it, not run away from it, not hide and try to dull it. Because then that desensitizes us to the relationship. But the more we feel that pain and we feel that distance, like you said, what it should do is provide an impetus for us to take action and move forward. And so after coming out of that process, after Tishav and recovering from that, now we're in the month of Elul, now we should be properly inspired to start engaging and building the relationship with Hashem. So that's Anila do diva do dili. I am for my beloved. My beloved is for me. I'm ready now to rebuild the broken relationship that my soul should have with God. Beautiful. That's Elul. Uh, We're meant to be building. And then what happens on Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of a whole new process. The process is the ultimate redemption of the soul, as I mentioned earlier. And we'll we'll get to understanding what that really means uh, in just a little bit. But we start with Rosh Hashanah because it's really the evaluation period. You've had this time during Elul to build the relationship. Where are you? Have you done? Right, this is Rosh Hashanah. I also mentioned earlier that we need to define the idea of judgment. What is judgment? I think this is probably one of the most misunderstood ideas. We're very uncomfortable with the idea of judgment because the way we relate to judgment is us being judgmental of others. And we naturally intuit that that's bad, you know, for lack of a better word. Nobody likes to be judged. Because when you feel judged, you feel like you lack value. Because you know yourself. When you judge someone else, naturally you see that yourself is above them. They are less than now. You judge them. You criticize them. You say they should be doing better. The implication, the implicit implication, is that you're doing all right and they are beneath you. Right. So... The person on the other side feels that. When we feel judged, we feel pushed down. Yes. And we don't like that. And why would we want to feel that from God? And I think a lot of people have this barrier. And I've talked to people that were religious for many years and have rejected religion entirely on this basis, that they don't want to feel judged by God. It's
0: Right, yeah. That's why I sort of jumped ahead and I attached it with Reset. Which is probably not the right word, but I know that because he gives us the opportunity to lay everything on the table, show everything in our employee file and say, here's everything we I did wrong. I regret it. And then once it's all on the table, he throws it away and resets it and we get to start off clean. So I sort of look at the judgment as a part of a process and focus on. What you get out of it in the end if you do it correctly.
1: If you do it correctly. But what if you don't do it correctly? So then you're judged? Then what, right? So what is the judgment? What's really happening here? If you do it correctly or if you don't do it correctly. What is the interaction that's occurring? So again, when we think of judgment, we think of scary God deciding if we're good or bad, like Santa Claus. Right. right? And then am I going to die this year or not? Or is he going to give me enough money or not? Right. This is not... Accurate at all.
0: Thank you for joining us for part one for Moments of Spiritual Ascension with Rabbi Busco. Stay tuned for the upcoming release of part two.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah
0: wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at